So my indie goes back as far as I was about seven years old and it was a drowning. We were at a swimming area in the countryside of Ohio and it was a very small swimming area that catered to the residents out in the country of the Appalachia Mountains, just on the border of West Virginia. And we had been to this swimming area quite often and my mother had grown up in the area. So all of the people who lived in that area were very familiar with this swimming hole. And it was basically a large pond. It was a, a man-made pond and a section of the pond had been buoyed off and then in the center of this small buoyed off area was a platform that you could swim to and, and like a deck and run and, and jump off. And we had been there many times before, you know, as a seven year old, I had my rhythm. I only knew how to dog paddle. So I knew how to kind of jump from, you know, pivot from leg to leg and bounce till I got to the point where I couldn't do it any longer because the water was so deep. And then I would doggy paddle to the platform and then I would get on the platform and I would run and jump back towards the shore. So I had a system that worked for me and this swimming area that was man-made did have a lifeguard who sat in a lifeguard chair. And so there wasn't a lot of people. There was about five or six families who had their blankets out and they're picnicking and you know, the kids are swimming and again, very small. And so I remember on this particular day that there was a young girl there who was about my age, who was jumping off of the other side of the platform and the deeper end. You know, I think my personality really started to come out at this age of, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And I decide after a couple of jumps off the platform that I'm going to jump off the side that she's jumping off. However, what I didn't know is that she could swim and I didn't know that it was much deeper on that side. So I doggy paddle, I get up there, I run and I jump off the side that she does. And it is significantly deeper than the end that I am accustomed to jumping off of. And when I would jump off the platform, I would sink, I would hit the sand and then I would push myself back up and then I would doggy paddle uh, to the shore. But because this side was deeper, the momentum necessary to push myself back up to surface was more than I had calculated for. And I pushed myself up to surface and was only able to get my mouth barely above the water. So when I went to take a breath in, I was actually taking water in and I would sink back down, push myself back up, and I would continue the process, but now I'm scared and I'm trying to scream. But you know, you can't scream and take a breath in at the same time. So the panic starts to set in because I realize I had overestimated. I continued this process for a couple rounds of attempting to scream for help simultaneously with taking a breath in and I began the process of drowning. I began to spend more time underwater at this point and you know I'm taking in a lot of water into my lungs and at this point in the process I start to recognize that I'm I'm drowning and I began to raise my arm out of the water and sway my arm back and forth, hoping that I could get the attention of someone that they would recognize that I'm drowning. And you know, the water is probably about two and a half feet over my head. So the part of my arm that's reaching out of the water is about my wrist and a little bit below my wrist. And I'm swaying the arm back and forth. And I tried this method a couple times while simultaneously still trying to push myself up to get breath. 
and I recognize that it's more important for me to try to gather breath than it is to scream. And it gets to the point where my body starts to become very warm. And I recognize even at a young age that I was losing oxygen, that the oxygen was leaving my body and that my body was starting to recognize the process of dying. And I get to the point where I stop panicking and I just begin to surrender and ease into the process of letting go. And I'm under the water and I can see all of the feet and the hands of the kids doggy paddling around me. And I can see the fragments of sand being kicked up from the ground and is caught in this beautiful wave-like motion under the water. And the water is brown, like this really golden hue brown. And I really just surrender and start to take in the beauty of the dying process and the beauty of what's around me. And it's in this moment that time felt as though it had stopped. And I'm really focused on the sand, the fragments of sand that's kind of floating in the water and the sun is hitting through and breaking the crest of the water and is hitting these fragments of sand. And they just look like beautiful little diamonds. And I remember just thinking how beautiful the world is, how beautiful this is. Even in this process of dying, the beauty that surrounds us is immense. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm in my own dimension down here that they can't see me and that I can observe and see them, but they can't see me. And that there was a beauty to that as well. And as I'm letting go and surrendering to the process, there's no fear in me whatsoever. And I'm recognizing that there's a part of me that's starting to leave my body because I can see, even though I'm completely emerged, I can see my mother I'm standing up, scanning the surface and looking for me. And I can tell that she's been doing this for a couple seconds now and that there's a panic that's starting to set in. And I can feel her panic. And despite being underwater, I'm visually looking at her above water. And it's in this moment that telepathically I'm communicating with another realm or someone from another realm. And they ask me, what do I want to do? And I'm watching my mother panic and I'm watching her really start to freak out because she can't see me. And I said to my telepathic communicator, I said, you know, she wouldn't understand. Her life has been so hard and she's not emotionally stable she's you know i perceived her as being emotionally weak and i said she wouldn't understand i think it would kill her and i was like i have to stay and when i made that decision that i was going to stay but there was a part of me that wanted to go i wanted to move to the other side and i recognized that the other side was home but the decision to stay was for her because i felt like i had to support her and so when i made this decision I could see a woman coming at me and you know still to this day I can see every aspect of her. She was wearing a white bathing suit and kind of one of those vintage bathing suits maybe from the 30s or 40s but it looks like a, a skirt and she's wearing this older bathing suit and she has long white hair that's in a braid and the braid goes all the way down into the water and I can see the end of her braid, the ends of the hair swaying back and forth and kind of moving in this beautiful dance-like motion as she makes her way towards me. And then all of a sudden I'm being pulled out of the water and I can feel the temperature change on my skin. 
simultaneously, I can still see my mother scanning. So I can see from a perspective above the water, even though I know that I'm below the water. And I can see my mother running. She can see my body being lifted out of the water in this woman's arms. And she's running so fast that it's as if she's running on the water. And I can see her running and I can feel her energy and I can feel her panic. And I'm observing this not from my own eyes, but I'm observing this from what feels like out of body. And I can't see the face of the woman. I can only see her torso and I can feel my body against her chest, but I'm never able to see her face. And my mother sees me in her arms and runs and grabs me out of her arms and takes me back to the blanket that we're sitting on. And I'm able to come back to, I didn't have to be resuscitated, but I'm able to catch my breath. And I remembered the pain of catching my breath in this woman's arms. It was so incredibly dense and so incredibly painful to grab this breath of air in my lungs. And, you know, I remember being fully back in my body now and I'm not observing the scenario from any other angle. And my mother starts asking me, you know, what happened? And I'm telling her, you know, I, I wanted to run off the other side of the deck like this other young girl did. And I'm at the place where my mom feels it's safe that we can leave now. That we're obviously not going to stay and spend any more, more time there. And my mother walks up to the lifeguard and is like, what, where were you on this? Like, you know, lifeguards counting, you know, my mom told me that he was counting his tips. <laughs> his money uh, during this whole process and he saw nothing. And so my mom comes back to the blanket and says, we need to find this woman and we need to thank her. Do you remember what she looked like? Can you point her out? And so I began scanning all the different blankets and the different families and I don't see her, nor did any woman or family member approach us and ask, you know, is your daughter okay? Which I think is a little unusual because if I pulled a, a child out of the water who was drowning, I would most likely circle back and say, is she okay? You know, and meet the mother. And this didn't happen. And my mother walked up to every family and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for the woman who saved my daughter's life. Was wondering if you saw anything or if you know who this woman is and described the woman. And no family had seen any of this. No family that she approached recognized the description of the woman or had even heard a woman talk about pulling a small child who was drowning out of the water. So we found that very unusual. We found that very weird. So we found this incredibly strange. And, you know, there's always been a part of me who has felt that when I made that decision to stay, that essentially a guide or a guardian of some sort intervened and participated in allowing me to meet the decision that I made. So in this near-death experience, you know, I was so young that what I had learned from that moment, which was being in a state of oneness, being so connected and so full of love in that place, recognizing that I was these fragments of sand, that I was the sun that was hitting the fragments of sand, that I was the warmth of the water, I was the golden hue of the water. I had a beautiful moment of oneness where I was able to, at a very young age, comprehend the universal connection and me being tethered to source and that we are a fragment of source.
and that I am connected to everything. And at this young age, that lesson didn't really sink through and it wouldn't, I wouldn't really comprehend it until later in life. And about 30 something years later, the lesson that I had learned from this experience started to, I would say, transcend or transmute into numerous other experiences that are quite similar to that very young NDE experience. It's really quite amazing for me because the lessons that I had learned and the information that I had downloaded in this process really began to start showing up for me a little bit later in life. I started being able to become extremely sensitive to the energy and emotions of others. I started becoming what I had learned through one of my psychiatrists was that I was clairsentient and that I believe in this NDE that I had acquired a gift through this experience that has allowed me to be what they call clairsentient. So being very, very privy to the emotions and the energy of others to the degree that before I had really learned what this was, I would confuse the energy and the emotions of others for my own. And it took quite a bit of time for me to be able to really integrate this knowing and this knowledge and information. So this experience later came back up into my life in my later years. So in my early forties, because I was living very unconsciously and I wasn't awake. I was living very, I want to say subconsciously. And so I ended up having an experience that tethers me to that NDE experience and really allowed me to recognize the lessons and the gifts that I acquired from it. I was sitting at the border crossing between Vancouver, British Columbia, coming back into the United States. And the border was backed up for a significant amount of time. So it was a couple hours that it would take before I was able to cross the border. And I pulled out a book and started reading the book and I'm reading the gene keys and there's a car next to me that is playing very aggressive, loud, kind of what I would consider very angry music. And I remember becoming a little bit judgmental and looking at the people in the car and kind of judging them. And I rolled up my window and continued playing, you know, turned up my classical music a little bit. And I had this epiphany of this, a little bit of a, a knowing, a voice that was saying to me, Lelania, you shouldn't be so judgmental. These people are you. And I'm looking at them in their car and studying them. And they're all very mellow and they're quiet. They're not really engaging with one another. I can tell that they're kind of daydreaming. And the music is so aggressive and so loud. And I remember thinking, what a paradox this looks like, that they're not really showing energy that is similar to their environment. And as I'm studying them, I start to realize like, I shouldn't be judgmental. Those are my brothers and sisters. And this huge wave of epiphany and emotion, which was similar to the emotions that I was feeling at the age of six or seven when I had my NDE experience, filled me. And I felt myself pulled back to that experience. And I'm studying these people a bit longer and at this border crossing, it's a huge park with many monuments and a lot of people who are picnicking. 
And as the car with the people and the loud music start to pull forward, all of a sudden the background becomes more apparent. And I see these young Asian and black kid who are playing football and they're tossing the football back and forth and they're smiling so big and they're so happy and they're having such a good time throwing this football back and forth and kind of running and catching it. And I'm studying them. My, my eyesight now moves to them and I'm now studying them. And I can see the smiles on their faces and I can feel their emotions. And, you know, they're like, oh God, I want to say like a couple yards from me. And, you know, I can't hear anything, but I can feel them. And I recognize in that moment that I have been them before. I have experienced everything that they're experiencing in that moment before. And I almost feel that I know them. And I am smiling so big. I'm so filled with love at this point, but it's, it's love and curiosity and compassion. And I'm scanning the whole family that's with them and they're barbecuing. And I'm looking at the smiles on their faces and their experiences. And I'm literally feeling their emotions and almost as if I know them intimately. And I'm at this point where I'm like, what the hell is happening? This is so wild. And now at this point, time begins to slow and it begins to almost stop in the same way that it did for me in that near death experience when I was drowning. And as it's starting to slow down or almost come to a stop, I'm starting to see the plants and the trees. I'm beginning to see the wheatgrass and it's blowing and it's catching the light of the sun, similar to the fragments of sand that were in the water. And it's catching this light and everything's moving in slow motion as if time doesn't exist in this moment. And I continue to scan and I see another family. It looks uh, Middle Eastern and it's a larger family. And I can just see the pride and the love, how proud they are of their children. And I am just enamored and I'm feeling their emotions. And I'm recognizing that I am them and they are me, that we are all fragments of source and that we are all fragments that have chosen to have different experiences, but we are, we are the same. We are the same. And if I remain sensitive and if I remain open, I can actually have their experience. I can feel what they're experiencing and all the emotions of their experience because we're the same. We are one. We are fragments of source. I am filled with love to the degree that I've never felt before, except for when I was drowning. I feel like I have no concept of time, again, similar to the experience of drowning. And everything is illuminated and beautiful. And I can feel the connection to the trees, to the plants. I can feel the connection to the wheatgrass that's blowing. And I recognize that I am in it and everything that it is made up is in me. You know, I just remember having this feeling of like how lucky we are to be here, how beautiful and what an illusion it is that of the ego that we believe that we are separate, that there's absolutely no way that we're separate. And even if I feel it, there is no concept of being alone. There is no concept of feeling lonely because of how connected, just remembering that we're connected. And so at this point, I start to see energy 
a light of energy that's moving between each human being into the different bushes, the trees, the plants, connecting everything, and then coming back to me. And I'm seeing everyone operating in this, almost this like beautiful labyrinth of a light beam that's zigzagging and intersecting every one that's there and everything that's there. And it is one of the most beautiful knowings that I have ever experienced. And it was just profound. I can't even articulate it. There's not even words to articulate the emotions and the love that I was feeling at this time. So as I have this epiphany or a download of information of recognizing oneness, I begin to weave in the lessons that I learned during that time when I drowned and all of it came together and it all made sense. And it was all intentional in a way. It was all a part of a plan. My vibration started to change and I started to come back to myself. The wind started picking up and the speed of the grass that was blowing, you know, started to move in what felt like real time, right? And I kind of came to and recognized that my face and my shirt was completely drenched. And that this whole time that I was feeling this love, that I was sobbing from love, that I was just completely soaked. Again, I don't even have words to articulate the beauty of this, but in this moment, I recognized that this experience that I was having was very much tethered to the drowning and that the drowning was the initial experience of oneness and a lack of separation and of knowing and that I would have many more of these throughout my life.